Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is here in this hour of the show. CBS Sports' Jamie Eisenberg will detail everything that happened last night between the Patriots and Giants. We also have a preview of the weekend. You'll want to stay tuned. I've got all the injury updates, everything going around the NFL. Some significant players could be in or out. Fantasy Sports today, hour two, starts now. Fantasy Sports today. All right, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, and this is Craig Mish here with our number two of our show. You can dial us up at 844-843-6879. Again, that number to call is 844-843-6879. We have a heck of a schedule ahead of us in college football this weekend. I hope you guys enjoy it because now we're starting to get into the heart of the season We spent three or four weeks complaining about not having any top 25 teams facing off against each other. We've got a game early. We've got a game in the middle of the day. And then we got a game at night. So that's what I'll be locked into this weekend. Tonight we got the University of Miami taking on Virginia, where the University of Miami football team under new head coach Manny Diaz has not looked good at all. Wow. Started a freshman quarterback against the Gators, Jaron Williams. Uh, Miami lost to Florida, but came out thinking they looked pretty good in that one. And I got to give Miami credit. They hung around in that game for a little while until the Gators, of course, inevitably won. But since that game, that kid has not looked good at all. And they put him on the bench tonight. They start Nikosi Perry against Perkins from uh, Virginia, who for the most part, is a pretty steady quarterback and one of the better ones in the ACC. And Miami is a uh, two, maybe two-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you look at it. I don't know. It's a Friday night home game, but Miami's home field advantage is not near what it is for a lot of other teams in the country. Remember, the University of Miami football team does not... They, they train at Coral Gables, but they play at Hard Rock Stadium where the Miami Dolphins play. And I can tell you right now that that place ain't going to be filled tonight. You got no shot of that. So home field is definitely great for them when they play Florida or they play FSU or they play one of these tough teams in that stadium, but usually a more or less uh, 50% filled stadium when the Hurricanes play in this stage of the game after they looked so bad last week against Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech was up 28 nothing in that game. Something like that. It up a lot. And then Miami came back and made it close. The other game, of course, that I have my eye on this weekend, and I'm very nervous about this one. I kind of thought the Gators had a good shot last week, playing at home in the swamp against Auburn. But, man, when that line came out on Sunday night, 
And what I like to do is before the lines come out in some of these games in the NFL and college, I like to like I, I put my phone down for a second and I like look up and I say, okay, what do I think this line should be? And in the Florida LSU game Saturday night, I thought it would be eight and a half or nine. That's what I thought. You know, look, LSU has played fantastic. They're scoring a lot more points than they ever have. And you don't want to overreact too much to Florida beating Auburn because, of course, they were at home. So I thought, all right, the Gators probably going to be, they got to be a touchdown underdog for sure. LSU's playing too good. And if they make them less than that, everyone's going to be on LSU. So you got to make the line eight or nine. Then it came out and it was 13. And since then, it's moved up. It's 13 and a half. I don't like when I see that stuff. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm hoping that the Gators can just get this down to the fourth quarter and keep it within a possession or two. This kid, Trask, the starting quarterback who's taken over for Felipe Franks, would you believe in a limited sample has a higher completion percentage than Tua Tagovailoa on Alabama and higher than Joe Burrow on LSU? You wouldn't have guessed that, but he does. Now, again, he's only played in two and a half games or whatever it is. That's true, too, and one of the opponents was not exactly a, a world beater last week, two weeks ago. But this will be the ultimate test playing at LSU. And all of the years that I went to the University of Florida and then even followed SEC football after, I don't think that there's any, and this would include playing in Tuscaloosa, I don't think there is a tougher place to play, including the Swamp, which is historically probably the toughest place to play in all of college football. But uh, playing in LSU at night, oh my gosh, that's like the worst scenario possible. I would have loved that game at 3.30 Eastern. Now, Florida has had really good success against LSU over the last few years. Remember, they even had to move that game from Gainesville to LSU one year because of the hurricane. So, uh, and, and, and Florida went to LSU and beat them. But this is a tough, tough task this week with a freshman quarterback, uh, you know, basically a first-year starting quarterback with Kyle Trask. But I, I'm going to take the Gators and expect them to keep it close. 13 points close. That that seems like a lot. But when the line pops up five points higher than I thought, that's when I start to get worried. So I hope you guys enjoy the college football this weekend for sure. Speaking of NFL football, I think that as a proud father, I like when my kid performs on the baseball field or when he plays golf. Imagine you have a kid that's a savant in fantasy at a very young age. That's something different. Haven't heard of that one before. And coming up next on the show, Joe Pizapia, who hosts with me Monday through Thursday, he had a chance to speak to one of the youngest fantasy football enthusiasts in the country. And it was such a good interview that I want to play that back for you coming up next. Immediately after that, Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports, as he does every week, joins me for two segments. So in our first segment, what we'll do is we'll break down what happened last night between the Giants and Patriots. And then we'll dive into some of the matchups that we both like for the weekend, which would include some potential picks to click this weekend in both DFS and season-long leagues. And then as we end the show today, in about an hour from now, we'll do some exit velocity, and I have my thoughts on one of the historic runs that we're seeing from a starting pitcher 
And, of course, his name is Garrett Cole on the Houston Astros. So plenty more to come here with you on the show on Fantasy Sports Today. We're just getting started with this second hour, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes and continue on up until 2 when we send it over to Full-Time Fantasy. I'm Craig Mish here on FNTSY Radio and Sports Grid. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia, Scott Bogman, taking a breather real quick. And in the meantime, I want to introduce everybody to the guy who's going to take my job and Scott's job and Mish's job in about, I don't know, 15 years. I caught this kid on the Twitter machine. And uh, he's the host of the Prodigy podcast. He does these YouTube videos. He does all this sports stuff. And he's only 10 years old. I want to welcome to the show Danny Dion of New York, who uh, basically is just laying out all the knowledge at just 10 years old. Danny, welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you for having me, Joe. This is amazing, well, bro. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you took time out of your busy schedule between school and everything else to chat with me. So tell me, how did you end up deciding, I want to do a podcast where you just fed up of people shouting nonsense like me, or you said, hey, I'm, I'm just as smart as these guys. What made you want to do a podcast and a YouTube show and all the stuff you're doing covering sports? Well, first of all, sports is my passion. I love watching games, and I enjoy playing with my friends and teammates. Second of all, I really enjoy being creative, and I love to write. I enjoy the whole process from start to finish. It's funny. A podcast never feels like homework. It's just something I enjoy doing. And lastly, Joe, I'm a big fan. Your Black Book has helped through the last two years to achieve Spanish and glory. So first of all, I want to thank you. And second, I want to give back to my audience. That's really what drives me. If I can help someone in my audience succeed, that's a wonderful feeling. And that's why I can that's why I started the podcast. Well, I think it's terrific, man. I think I think it's great. And I think it's I think you hit the nail on the head. I think what comes through and I caught it and I know your dad had tweeted at me and said, Hey, you know, give this a look. And I did, and I retweeted it gladly because your content is good. You're very professional, let me tell you. You sound better than a lot of other yahoos I see on the internet trying to be fantasy football experts or baseball experts. So, you know, just from the heart, tell me a second, like, is this something like with your dad that you guys kind of bonded over? Definitely. Yeah. And is it like, is it something like you guys get together every week and kind of plan out the show together? Or is this, are you the leader and saying, dad, this is what's going down this week. How does this work at the home? Well, we, usually we jot down questions together and then, I usually, and then my dad helps me revise them, and then I'll have the final saying on what I like and what I don't like. All right, and how is it going for you so far? Do you feel like you're getting progress? I see you you hit 500 Twitter followers already. So you've been doing this for how long now? Is this the first year you've been doing it? I've been doing it like since since like midsummer. 
Oh, so early still, and you're already like ahead of the game. This is great. So here's a question for you. What do you love more? You love the baseball content, the football content, or are they equal for you? I probably got to go with the football content. It's kind of more exciting for me. No, I'm probably I... just saying football now. I'm probably <laughs> just saying football now because it's in the middle of the NFL. And then in the middle of the MLB season, I'll probably be saying MLB. That's just right. me. Yeah, I mean, well, that sounds like uh, that sounds like the rest of us. That's usually what we sound like. We're very excited when we get a fresh new season, and by the end of it, we're frustrated with certain things, and we just can't wait to turn the page <laughs> to something else, right? So uh, let's talk about your Yankees for a second. I know you're a big Yankee fan. Uh, I know they got the sweep of the Twins. I don't know what the heck Rocco Baldelli thought he was thinking about throwing that kid in Yankee Stadium down a game already. I already ranted and raved about that yesterday, and I'm sure I'm going to have more feelings about it later. But look, a sweep is a sweep. So now there's a good chance it's probably going to be the Astros you meet next. How do you feel about your chances there? Bring it on, bro. Bring it on. <laughs> oh, he's talking smack. I love it. Oh, my goodness. I'm confident. All right. Why are you so confident? Aren't you a little worried about Verlander and Cole or no? Because you're savages. You're savage. What? You're savages. Oh, look, I'll give the Yankees this. They, they, Gleyber Torres stepped up in a huge vacuum this summer when uh, Stanton was out and Judge was out, both of them, and Torres absolutely put them on his back. He's been terrific. But honestly, now, now, not as a fan. See, this is where, this is the next level stuff, Danny, okay? This is the stuff you're going to have to learn here. So I'm going to challenge you because I think you're up for the task from everything I've seen. Are you ready to put the fandom away and be honest about the Yankees for a second here? Do you really believe in your heart and how many games do you think the Yankees are going to beat the Astros? Or you think that pitching is really just too much when all is said and done? As an analyst now, not as Danny Dion, the Yankee fan, as Danny Dion, the fantasy analyst. To be honest with you, probably in six. Who? Yankees or Astros? Yankees, because Paxson's going to get a double. Most people will get a double start. And then if you look at Greggy, he's been struggling this postseason. So I really like the Yankees odds. All right. So you're targeting Zach Greinke. Well, I can't argue with that. All right. Let's transition. Talk a little football here before we let you go. So every week you do what? You do the podcast every week and you write an article. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. And uh, let me, let me, let's dive into that. And let's say, what are your uh, picks this week at wide receiver? Who you like uh, in terms of matchups that you're really looking to, to have a big week in week six? I mean, Obviously, it's D-Hop. He has the best hands in the game, period. Teams will think twice about double coveraging after Will, Phil- Will Fuller's last week. That was just amazing. And then the game flow against the Chiefs, it'll most likely be another high-scoring game with Texans. Another I person I right. got. Another person I got, I got Tyler Boyd against the Ravens. Baltimore secondaries is shambles. They get burned in the slot, which is where Tyler Boyd thrives. Great discount play on FanDuel. Volume. He's consistently receiving over 10 targets per game. And then Ross remains out with an injury. Next up, I like Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins will continue to force-feed his most trusted receiver. Still not buying Eagles secondary. Amazing. The the preseason hype of this person has lived up. It's Chris Godwin. I mean, the preseason hype was real. 
Well, I'm 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 right. at the forefront. In all fairness, Danny, I'm at the forefront of the Chris Godwin hype train. So I've I've been driving that train for quite some time. So go ahead, tell us about Chris Godwin. He's thriving in Bruce Arians' pass happy offense. That's really all I gotta say. <laughs> and then I love it. Scoring, and scoring too many touchdowns to count. And then Absolutely. my my sleepers for this week are Robbie Anderson and Preston Williams. Bobby Anderson is a talented playmaker who hasn't had a quarterback able to set him up with the rock. The changes this week with the return of Sam Darnold. Injuries in the Dallas secondary is pretty much taking them over. With Aaron Jones thriving against them last week. Then I like Preston Williams. Target galore. Getting all the targets in Miami. And then he's a plus matchup against the Redskins. And that's all I got for receivers. I love it. It's perfect. All right. I love it. You bring the swag. You bring the the knowledge. You bring it all. Tell everybody where they can follow the show on Twitter and check it out and read the articles. Tell them real quick. You could follow me on Twitter at DannyDion5 or search in the Prodigy Podcast. On YouTube, on YouTube, type in David Dion and you'll see it. We still haven't really set up a YouTube channel yet. Well, you got to get on that. Every kid's got a YouTube channel, yeah. I feel like, nowadays, brother. Well, listen, man, keep up the yeah. good work. I'm telling you, you're on to something. You, you got good passion for what's going on, and you remind me a whole lot of me when I was your age. And I didn't have the internet, so I was just basically talking into a mirror pretending to be Vince Scully. So, I mean, it's come a long way. I ended up looking more like Joe Garagiola when all said and done. I know you're not going to get that reference, kid, but someday you will, and you'll laugh. But anyway... He's Danny Dion. Go check him out on the Prodigy podcast. And I'm telling you, fantasy football, baseball prodigy. This guy is doing the content, doing the videos, doing the podcast, doing everything, writing the articles. And he's just 10 years old because he loves it. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to get great. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, each and every Friday of the football season, we check in with Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com to talk a little fantasy, a little life, a little reality. And, and Jamie, thanks once again for coming on the show this afternoon as we're closing in on almost halfway through the regular season of fantasy football. They say it, it comes and goes pretty fast, and that would feel like it's accurate this year. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's been a crazy start, and um, let's see if we have a crazy finish. Yeah, well, I mean, last week was definitely crazy in terms of points, and I think that some people 
we're surprised with the amount of points that there were last night between the Giants and New England Patriots. But let me start off with that game and asking you this. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is probably the fantasy football MVP. Where are the New England Patriots defense ranked in terms of MVPs of fantasy football this year? They have got to be somewhere in the top 10. An amazing run for them. Oh, they're two. You know, if you're going to give McCaffrey one, and I could, you know, it depends how people like to judge MVP. Is the star living up to expectations like McCaffrey the, 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 the reason you give the award to? Or is it the surprise player, or in this case, you know, unit, the, the better of the two options because of where they were, you know, selected or, or, or ranked prior to the season? So, um, yeah, they're, they're winning people weeks, uh, leaps and bounds, you know. So it's, uh, it's a great situation to, uh, to, to have if you have the Patriots defense. But I would say this. The schedule is about to get a lot tougher, so if you can sell them and feel comfortable selling them and somebody's buying a defense, I would look to shop them. Yeah, and in years past when we've played this, and, and you know, some, pe- some people don't use the defense and special teams, and they use the extra flex or the super flex. I'm in a number of those kind of leagues this year. But the one thing that I've noticed, Jamie, and I don't know, if, you know how you feel about this, is certainly in this particular season it doesn't feel like there's as much parity as there have been in the past. There's just a lot of the haves and the have-nots. Is, do you think that that is a trend that could continue where in future seasons we'll see teams that are in that you know unadmittedly tanking type mode where you have the Redskins and the Dolphins and the Bengals and and uh, and, and when Pittsburgh lost their quarterback clearly, but you have so many of these teams that don't even appear to be uh, offensively capable of scoring a touchdown or two, and if you streamed it, it would seem as though that could have been the better option as opposed to just rolling with one defense all season. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if you uh, you know are looking ahead, for example, um, you know, you have a situation where the 49ers play Washington next week, and so if you want to see if they're available, because for the most part, they are. I don't think a lot of people feel comfortable starting Washington this week against the Rams. Um, you know, you start to look ahead, you know, two weeks out, three weeks out. You know, a lot of people uh, picked up Washington's defense with the hope of, you know, using them against Miami this week, you know, a few weeks ago. And so it's not, it's not a bad situation to sort of game plan that way that, you know, instead of holding on to uh, that fifth running back that you're hoping is going to break out or that, you know, sixth receiver, you know, carry two defenses and just sort of play that uh, matchup game all throughout the course of the season if you can. And so in this case, like you said, there's so many bad offenses. And in the case of the, the Giants last night, as we saw, you know, sometimes injuries come into play. You mentioned it with Pittsburgh and their quarterback situation. You know, the Giants not having, you know, four you know, key guys or certainly the three key guys if you want to factor in Gallman as well. But um, it just lended itself to the, the great performance by the Patriots uh, getting even that much better because of the team that they played last night. Yeah, I mean, not having Ingram there as the security blanket was was dooming for them. It just, uh, from start to finish, it didn't look like they had any shot. They connected on uh, on a couple of different plays. But let, let's go to the Patriots here for a minute. And, and Jamie, this is the same story, and it's it's just a different year for New England in terms of winning. But, the, but I, you know, I wonder from your perspective, too, if this ever changes, is that historically speaking, no matter how good the running backs are on New England, Belichick is going to do his thing with those running backs there. And so, and maybe this speaks more to dynasty leagues of owners of Sony Michelle, but we've seen it in the past. Like, I think I got to go back maybe to like Corey Dillon as, as the last time that it, there was really a guy that he'd give the ball to on the goal line that we could predict. But why all of a sudden, Jamie, Tom Brady is sneaking it in from the one? Like, he's the last guy I would have expected this year to be piling up six or seven rushing touchdowns. But I, I just, as long as Belichick is the head coach there, I don't think that we're ever going to truly know who's going to run the ball near the goal line for New England. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that, you know, Michelle last year sort of, 
gave us that, you know, if you want to go back to Corey Dillon, he kind of gave us that. And certainly, as we saw in the playoffs, you know, when he had the six touchdowns in three games, you know, he's kind of been that guy. At least that was the hope coming into the season. Uh, we had a conversation on one of our shows with uh, Ben Bolin, who covers the Patriots for the Boston Globe, and he said that he thought actually Damian Harris would be somebody that could, you know, sort of work into that regard because as well as Michelle did last year, he wasn't necessarily that efficient in getting the job done. And so that's kind of, I think, where we're at this year is if you look at his short area numbers, his, his short yardage numbers, he's not converting third and short, fourth and short. He's not converting necessarily the goal at a very successful clip. Now, if you were to say prior to the game, Tony Michelle is getting 22 carries and two catches, everybody would sign up for that in that game mm-hmm. against the Giants. And so uh, while the touchdowns are disappointing, um, the workload has been very good. So he's, he's one of those things where if you look at the box score by the end of the game, forget about touchdowns, it looks like he had a good night. Now, if you watch the game, he didn't convert on a third and short and a fourth and short early in the game, and then when they got back down there, it was when Brandon Bolden had the touchdown. So it's obvious that the Patriots are a little bit frustrated with him in that regard, and he just hasn't been making a lot of people miss. But he's still their most competent guy at the end of the game to give the ball to, and that's when he had the chunk of his yardage was in the fourth quarter when they were killing the clock. So, I mean, the nice thing about that is, you know, the Patriots are probably going to be in those situations more times than not where they're, you know, killing the clock at the end of the game. So that's where I think he'll still win. The the concern for me, though, with him is, uh, as we saw before Rex Burkhead got hurt, he was starting to take on more work. And what happens when Burkhead comes back? Because they seem to like him very much. Yeah, uh, Jamie Eisenberg is with us. Good points there on the running game. In terms of the Patriots receiving game, we finally saw Jacoby Myers get involved in a game. I caught him actually going into the week. Go figure on that one. Uh, but Josh Gordon, uh, Jamie, and uh, you know I'm playing in about five leagues, and I have him in two. And I said, you know what? I'm going to play him in one. I'm going to bench him in another because he's been a disappointment. And but I don't. I wanted to just leave that little door open for something to happen. I understand he did get hurt in the game last night, and they re- they didn't really need him. But do we at this point just have to view Gordon as like a borderline wide receiver three because he has certainly not come through in any kind of way that we thought? Has it been more game script? Like, will this change when they play KC and some of these better teams? Because uh, he I mean he looks like more like a tight end to me than he does a receiver at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's, uh, it, it hasn't been pretty, and now we have to wonder how healthy he's going to be moving forward. You know, uh, seeing him sit on the, on the exercise bike <laughs> wasn't exactly encouraging for the majority of that game. Um, so if he's healthy, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think matchups will matter. You know, he's going to have, probably have to have a game or two where he produces before you feel comfortable with him. Now, I don't think you should cut him because I think anybody sees him on the waiver wire, they'll go pick him up just to sort of stash him and see what happens. But, you know, you're, you're talking about a season now where – They've obviously not been happy with their receiving core. You know, with everything that they've done and tried to replace guys and bring different guys in, you know, whether it was Demarius Thomas or Antonio Brown or, you know, the Maurice Harris's of the world in, in the offseason. Um, I don't know if that speaks to them not being comfortable with Gordon where he's at, Brady not being comfortable with him, um, you know, just his lack of production overall uh, from the, you know, not being able to play because of the suspensions and the off the field stuff. So he's, you know, we're all sort of, I think, chasing a ghost of, of that, uh, I think it's 2015. That yeah. season when he was just an absolute monster. Um, he's never going to be that guy again. At least that, that's probably the way you should approach it. But there'll be some good moments, like you said, you know, when, when the matchup's a little bit different. I think Brady as a whole just isn't playing very well either. You know, and um, I was in a similar situation to you when, when uh, I was actually, you know, since we talk about this quite a bit, I was coaching my son's Little League game and, uh, you know, started looking at Twitter a little bit in between innings and you know, doing my job and uh, <laughs> seeing, seeing the people, you know, asking about the weather. And so I had Gordon in, in two two teams, also, two leagues also, where I pulled him in one, I kept him in another just to sort of see, because I thought he was going to have a breakout game. I just Me thought too. the match against the Giants was, yeah. was so good, and without Dorsett in there, I thought he would you know, get seven, eight targets and just destroy the secondary. But 
um, you know, it, 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 I'm not going to use the injury as an excuse. It was a, a bad performance um, from his statistics before he got hurt. And so maybe he finishes with a good game. But, you know, at this point, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Did you win last night, by the way? I, I coached, too, last night. Did you guys win? Uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a, a good game. My son, my son, uh, my son seven, he's on a little bit of a hot streak right now. We played five games, and he's got five home runs. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's killing himself a little bit, so I got to humble him. <laughs> you know, he's in the dugout. So he had a, he had a two home run game, and then last week he uh, he wasn't feeling so good. So his home run streak came to an end, but he got back on on the board today. He's he's got a nice little lefty swing, and so uh, you know how it is. You hit it in the right field, you're most likely gonna. Um, he hasn't hit one out yet. You know, we we I got the, yeah uh-huh. the big field, but uh, you know he hit to pass the right fielder, and and for the most part he's he's running uh, all the way around the bases. But good. Um, uh, yeah, we did win. You? Yeah, good. Yeah, we won too. We won too. Yeah, I, yeah my son was a little humble too because he got three hits the first game he played in. Uh, only one hit last night, and then he's upset at the end of the game. And you know, <laughs> what are we doing here? And I gotta have to sit down and the talk. And you know, we won. He's like, we won the game, but I didn't. I'm like, stop right there. That's not the way that this is. You know, like so. It's anyway, a, it's, it is it's tough. A, it's a weird. It's a weird thing with uh, you. You know, especially when you coach your kids because you obviously want the team to do well. But also at the same time, you know, the best case scenario is your your kid does well, your team does well. But it's those situations where one of the two doesn't happen, and how do you sort of you know balance that? Yeah, no, it, it's a tough balancing act because I'm trying to convince him that it doesn't matter, but uh, for him it, it does. And then you're right. For me, as the assistant coach sitting there, it's like, oh my gosh, like what what is going to happen here? All yeah. right, uh, last question here on the Giants. Then we'll take a break and move on to the NFL this week. Uh, Giants, to me, I don't know. Nothing came out of that game that made me feel optimistic. I think getting Barkley back will certainly be good for them, Jamie. But the bottom line is, is that. Uh, you know, Tate had that nice game. I'm not really buying that. Uh, I mean, the running backs looked like a mess. Engram didn't play. Jones looked like he's gone the other way. I, I just can't really count on the Giants at this point. Too many injuries and uncertainty, right? I, I, most of my leagues, I didn't even see a lot of people playing anyone on that team. No. And, you know, it's funny. Like, got some blowback for uh, saying to sit Golden Tate. And, you know, I, I didn't know what you, you expecting going in with a team that hadn't allowed a touchdown to a receiver. And he's the first one to do it. So, you know, kudos to those people who started him. Um, you know, I think he was a good daily play just as a contrarian, but otherwise, you know, for, for seasonal leagues, it was hard to say Golden Tate would, would perform well. I think the one thing that if you're going to look at it is it's, you know, checking the schedule because they get Arizona next week. Oh, and so okay. while the Cardinals, the Cardinals do get um, Patrick Peterson back from suspension, so that's probably going to be tough on either Shepard if he plays or Tate. Um, but if Daniel Jones has everybody available to him, so Ingram comes back, Shepard is healthy, and, and now Barkley plays, then you're talking about, very good skill players against a terrible defense, that that's something you can maybe say, okay, I'll use Daniel Jones as a streamer if I'm stuck. But he's got to have everybody healthy there because it's not going to be pretty if it's Red Ellison and you know Darius Slayton trying to carry this offense uh, along with maybe Golden Tate and, and hopefully Saquon Barkley. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Barkley is, is the key name. All right, what we'll do is we'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports Today. We come back and preview the weekend with Jamie Eisenberg. We'll get some of his picks to click in DFS. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. 
And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you. You can follow Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. And, of course, all of his fantasy news and notes. He is in the thick of this thing as the fantasy football season hits about the 40% mark in terms of the regular season. So it's kind of put up or shut up time. And, boy, there are two key injuries at the running back position that I did not see coming based on the way that I saw the games play out last week. And we'll start off. Jamie with Todd Gurley because this is definitely an interesting one Rams 49ers uh, to me is a gorgeous matchup I think all across the board there could be some points in this game but Gurley left the game last week with an injury that I didn't even know that he had uh, in in one of my I have him in one league and it was a league I thought I drafted horribly in so I wanted to make sure I got some boomer bust candidate he's had four touchdowns the last two weeks you and I talked about him last week and we thought that this is what it could be it could just simply be goal line it could be volume and that's all we're really looking for from him but man if he doesn't play that's definitely a shot in the arm and I gotta tell you Jamie if if I don't know what Malcolm Brown is gonna be and I certainly don't know what Henderson's gonna be at all but if one of those two guys plays well I mean I could see this thing going in the old Denver Broncos situation where Terrell Davis would get hurt another guy would come in another guy would come in I, I could see this playing out this way how do you feel about the Rams situation this week it played out that way last year. I mean, you know, Gurley missed the two games, and C.J. Anderson, speaking of the Broncos' tie-in, you know, came on and was just a star for people in the fantasy playoffs, you know, with the way that he played to help, you know, the Rams, you know, secure their playoff spot while Gurley was, was done. So, um, yeah, I, I, I could see a similar situation. You know, go back to week one when uh, the complaints were Malcolm Brown is stealing touchdowns from Todd Gurley when he scored twice against the Panthers. So they, pretty, they feel pretty comfortable with him, I think, in those short-yarded situations, which is where Gurley's had success. And then we'll find out how they're going to use both guys if Brown and Henderson are sharing the workload in that matchup against the 49ers if Gurley doesn't play. Um, I have one of my colleagues, Will Brinson, uh, who covers the NFL for us. You know, he told me yesterday, just in talking about this, he's like, I wonder if this is now the, the Kamara-David Johnson rookie situation where the explosive player didn't do anything in the first few weeks, and all of a sudden they blow up. Now, Kamara was a different story because he was sure. an absolute star as a rookie, yeah. but David Johnson really was sort of building toward that 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 what we saw from him in the second year. So the explosive player is Henderson. He's the one I think that um, is the wild card in all of this because Malcolm Brown would sort of slide into the rushing downs role for Gurley mm-hmm. if he's out and you know have the chance to score. Well, like you said, you know Gurley scored four touchdowns in the last two games. Um, Henderson I think would be the one playing on passing downs, and that's sort of how they used him in the preseason when they were trying to get him going. So I, I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden that we've seen the last two weeks um, in terms of playing time. Gurley 65 snaps, 67 snaps out of about 70 in both those games, so well over 90% of the snaps for the Rams. Um, I think Brown would probably take on probably 70 of those and, and Henderson the rest. So, you know, just 70%, excuse me, uh, of that and, and Henderson the rest. So I, I think if you're looking at it and you see, your, you know, both guys on the waiver wire, Brown should be the priority. But if you have a roster spot to play with, you know, take a flyer on Henderson and just see how this works out. Yeah, I I agree. I I did take one on Henderson, and I may end up having to use him in the league that I have, Gurley. Speaking of which, this is another one that I need your help on here because I do not know a lot about this kid Edmonds on Arizona. And if David Johnson doesn't play, this is also the tastiest matchup I could see in weeks. I mean, the Falcons' defense looks like one of the worst defensive teams we've seen in the NFL in a long time. And, of course, Keanu Neal, our Gator friend, is out for the year. Uh, I mean, shouldn't Edmonds be owned in, like, every league? But I, I don't know a lot about him. He didn't play in a big college, so I didn't see a lot of him, Jamie. Yeah, no, he's, he's got the chance to be explosive. You know, we saw it in the big run last week, you know, when uh, 
he gave he gave Johnson a, a little bit of a breather there. I don't know if that's when the back started to bother him in the game against the Bengals. But, you know, the Cardinals like him, and I think it's one of those situations where if you have the choice of, like, just say you're in an 18 league or a 10-team league and here's your waiver wire and nobody picks up Malcolm Brown or Chase Edmonds, pick up Edmonds first, uh, just with the thought of a one-game situation. Now, Malcolm Brown may have the long-term appeal if Gurley's, this is the start of the Gurley, you know, falling apart because of injury. But if you just say that you could start one of these two guys this week, Edmonds against the Falcons could be a league winner for you. You know, think about how Wayne Gallman performed against the Redskins a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conversation was how much fab do you spend on him? Do you burn a waiver spot on him? If you can get one win out of one guy, it's worth however much you spend because that guy helps you, you know, get one step closer to the fantasy playoff. And so I think Chase Edmonds, if he's going to be the starter for the Cardinals, you know, I haven't exactly thought about where he's going to be ranked, but probably somewhere in the top 12. It's just the matchup is so good. He get all those touches. They're starting to run the ball a little bit more. We've seen throughout the course of the season that they've thrown the ball to David Johnson. He's not David Johnson, clearly, but they do like him, and I think they'll give him an opportunity to play, even if, if David Johnson's healthy because he's not going to be 100%. But if he's out for whatever reason, then Chase Edmonds can win you your league this week because the Falcons defense is so bad. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I mean, the people people underestimate what it's worth one win in fantasy football, especially in this stage of the game. Some excellent points there from Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports. Uh, okay, so some other decisions that that will have to be made this week as we go back to our Packers. Seems like our weekly conversation on the Packers. This is definitely not a good sign for Devontae Adams that even having all this time off and missing a game that he can't get back on the field. So they clearly threw smoke screens at us with the health of, of Devontae Adams. But at the same time, and, and again, I'm in, in different leagues owning Valdez Scanling, two different leagues, two different busts last week. Uh, I'm, I'm in a position this week where I'm going to probably start him again. I'll give him another opportunity. There would seem to be a chance here, although uh, you know Slay is, is a key against Detroit. But, Jamie, it just doesn't seem like the Packers are in any rush to throw the ball at all in any situation, in any game. This is the Lafleur offense of just give the ball to Aaron Jones, and if we have to throw on third down, we will. And so I don't know that the recipe – is there for any success offensively? Is it that, or is it just they don't have Adams, and, and he's just so much better than all the other receivers they have? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, of, of all of that. Um, you got to find out if, if Valdez Cantley's healthy. You know, he popped up on the injury report also. So, uh, obviously, if he doesn't, if Rodgers doesn't have both of his top two receivers, then it's a no-go. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, Detroit, um, going back to last year after they got Snacks Harrison, their run defense has been certainly improved. Uh, last year it was it, it was tremendous. This year there's been a little bit of a, a, a slight setback, step back, you know, in terms of how they perform, but still very good. So if the Packers can't have the same success running the ball and they have to turn to Rodgers, if he has Valdez Scantling without Adams, I think he's still a borderline starter. Um, if he has, you know, obviously both those guys gone, then it's you know just tough to trust him with you know Jimmy Graham and, and Jordan Allison and that whole crew carrying the offense. But um, look, it's going to be one of those games where I think you know this is. Uh, the track record for both quarterbacks against each other, Stafford against the Packers and, and Rodgers against the Lions, is tremendous. So I have a slight feeling that this could be a game where Rodgers sort of, you know, compiles his numbers. You know, not necessarily the one guy having a big performance, but somebody scoring touchdowns. You know, it could be Robert Tanyan. You know, it could be Jamal Williams coming back, finds the end zone. So uh, Rodgers, if Valdez Gantling plays, I think is, is, a, is a low-end starting option, and, and Valdez Gantling is still a little bit of a dart throw. I, he made some moves, you know, running routes that were just amazing yes, uh, last week against the Cowboys, but they're just not connecting right now. And I think that's the, the key for Rodgers is sort of, you know, getting, the, getting him involved a little bit more would certainly be better for, I think, both parties involved. 
Yeah, I mean, Joneses look great. I mean, that's no indictment on what the Packers are doing. They, I mean, they've been proving me wrong every week. I watch them play. I'm not impressed, and somehow they keep winning. So that's, that's definitely I think part, part of the problem. I think it's part of the problem with Adams is that they're winning because it's you know he's they, they can take their time. You know, they're, they're looking at now January as opposed to we got to get to January. You know, so the fact that they're able to sort of steal these games in essence, you know, going into Dallas and winning, that's bad news for Adams' health in terms of him rushing back on the field. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, the Bears at this point need basically four. With the way the teams are tanking and not playing well in both conferences, nine wins is getting you in. I mean, and the Bears don't look good either. So, yeah, I mean, they – and the Vikings haven't looked good, and they've already beaten the Vikings. So, yeah, you make a lot of good points there. I think that's part of it. Jamie Eisenberg is with us. Uh, the two big totals on the board in terms of Vegas, San Francisco, and the Rams, that's one. That's at 50. Arizona and Atlanta is at 52. So here is where we lean on you for some players this week, whether it's DFS or guys potentially that could break out. I am just sick and tired of the same guys, of the Miles Sanders, the David Montgomery's. I'm just, I know Montgomery's off this week, but I'm, I'm not going back there this week. I want some, some new blood, Jamie. Give me some new blood this week, guys, that maybe we should be looking forward to uh, starting with some bye weeks this week. Well, I think, you know, one injury situation that you got to keep an eye on aside from the two running backs is the receiving core for the Chiefs. And so if you have no Sammy Watkins and no Tyreek Hill, uh, Byron Pringle looked really good last week. You know, so if you're talking about DFS or um, you know just somebody to pick up, you, you take a guy that could be one of the you know prominent targets from Patrick Mahomes. And I say that it, it could be the Miko Hardman week or Demarcus Robinson. You know, having those big performances once again. But you know, those two guys have done it with Watkins on the field, and so now it would be three really inexperienced guys, um, or at least nondescript guys. You know, based on what the the names are. And so one of those guys can come through and have a big game. That's, that's the biggest injury you've got to keep an eye on in, in, in terms of bye weeks. Because Byron Pringle, is, at least on our site, was about 10% ownership. Um, and we're typically on the higher end of those type of players. So uh, he could be available almost everywhere. So I, I'd go take a look and see if Byron Pringle is out there if you have a roster spot to play with. Yeah, that's 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 one key player I think that that definitely needs to start being owned. Um, in terms of a couple of the other games this week, are is there any like further expectation for games where you're seeing just two offenses? And I'll use Tennessee and Denver as an example. Like there's just there's games every week: Tennessee, Denver, the Bears, the Buffalo Bills. Are you do you play the contrarian approach ever with any of these games, Jamie, or or is there enough data with some of these players offensively that they're just kind of stay away for you in in DFS? You mean because they're playing good defenses? Yeah, they just don't score uh, points. Like Tennessee doesn't oh, score, well, and Den- yeah, 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 Den- Denver, yeah, Buffalo, like, yeah. Uh, it, you know, for me, it comes down to you know some of the the different formats. You know, so like I would stay away from Henry in in PPR, so DraftKings, for example, but Fanduel were half. You know the the touchdowns that he should score against Denver sort of come into play a little bit. So I think Henry's value is depressed enough that uh, you know comparatively to what some of his production has been, like he could he could have you know 50 yards and two touchdowns against the Broncos. That wouldn't surprise me. That's just the type of player that he is. Um, so it's it, it's sort of case specific with each guy. You know, I mean, you, you typically tend to want to gravitate toward the the games where Vegas tells you it's going to be high scoring ones and the defenses are bad on, on the other side. Uh, I think one of the more fun games, and, and there's going to be a lot of players that you can sort of use, certainly for DFS, but also for, um, you know, if you're just looking for streaming options, is, is Miami and Washington. You know, it's uh, it, there, there's not a lot of stars, clearly, in, in, in that game. But, um, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a, a Preston Williams two-touchdown game and Josh Rosen plays well, and then Case Keenum coming back, and we saw, you know, multiple touchdowns each of his first three weeks against the Dolphins defense, which is terrible. So, you know, Paul Richardson, for example, because Terry McLaurin, I think, is obvious. But, you know, Paul Richardson, who played well with, with Keenum, comes into play, too. So, you know, it's sort of one of those where you, you want to go contrarian to what the national perception is of the game. 
But fantasy, this is where you take advantage and sort of, you know, you look at it and say, okay, these two teams are bad, but they're bad on both sides of the ball versus each other. And so maybe something happens, you know, Miami coming off their bye week in Washington, you know, with the new coach. Yeah, it could be. I mean, this could be the big Rosen week. We've been waiting for that all season. Uh, okay, uh, final before I mean, you go. It's Yom Kippur, so it's it's Didn't work out well for Max Fried. All right, let's uh, let's close on this. Gators at LSU this week. LSU minus thirteen and a half in this game, and it's a wee for you and me with Florida. It's maybe one of the few wees that we still hang on to in sports these days. Yeah. Do we have any shot? Any shot at LSU to win this game this week? You know, it's going to come down to the defense and, and Trask not making any mistakes. Um, if the defense looks like it has been, I think they'll make the offense for LSU uncomfortable. I mean, I don't think they're going to stop them because that offense is amazing and playing at home. Um, I, I I think they'll cover <laughs> the spread. Yeah, right. I don't think right. that they'll they'll win, you know, which is clearly what we're more concerned about. Um it's just it's just such a tough spot. I mean, you know, when they were at their best going into LSU was and LSU was not at their best. It's just such a tough place to play. So um I it was amazing to see how they performed against Auburn and you know, I think you, you sort of celebrate those moments and, and this one is one of those where you just sort of like, you know, watch with, you know, your hand over it with, you know, kind of peeking out and say, Okay, hopefully they keep it competitive. Hopefully, man. Hopefully. What a great win this would be if they could pull this one off uh, Saturday. Oh, night. I think if they if they win, they're in the playoffs. I, I, you know, even if they lose to Georgia, you know, a one, a one loss Georgia, because uh, they wouldn't be in the SEC championship game, you know, assuming Georgia right. went down. So it, it'd be hard to keep a one loss Florida beating Auburn, beating LSU, and, and uh, unless they just got completely housed by Georgia. But if they were to run the table, lose to Georgia, I think they're in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I hope so. Man. For, uh, all right, that's uh, Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports. We'll both be watching that game for sure on Saturday night. Thank you for a great week, Jamie. Appreciate it. We'll talk next week. You got it, bud. Have a good one. All right, we'll take a quick time out. We've got Exit Velocity next. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. And welcome back. Craig Mish here with you. It's time to end the show with a little exit velocity. I feel the need. The need for speed. Exit velocity. Nice velocity. We end the show with a little bit of a preview of the baseball postseason, ALCS, NLCS. It has been a fantastic baseball postseason, but let me talk about one specific player going back to all the way throughout the season. The most dominant force in Major League Baseball has been Garrett Cole. And let me tell you right now, in all the years I've been watching baseball, there have been very few players that I've seen on this kind of run. Cole Hamels, Madison Bumgarner, Charlie Morton, Jake Arrieta, Oral Hershiser. It is that kind of feeling that I'm getting with Cole. He'll probably only pitch two games against the Yankees, but I am so curious to see how he does on this big stage because it has been lights out for him all season long. 
we got more playoff baseball action coming up this weekend. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks again to Jamie Eisenberg for coming on the show. And for my producer, Sean Guastamacchia, I am Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. We'll talk to you Monday at noon with Joe Pizzapia. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.